Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Judith Enk. Judith, how are you doing? I'm great. Good morning, Josh. Great to see you. And I want to jump in to talk about Beyond Plastic, where you work. But actually, I want to tell the audience how you and I met. Then he was my council candidate, but now he's my city council. Well, I guess he hasn't been sworn in yet, but he's the elect. Eric Botcher. I mentioned him partly because part of his election campaign was to organize people to get together and pick up litter. Hmm. And every Sunday, we'd meet at 1130 at a park near me, and everyone would go to different places and pick up litter. So for those who think this is not a political issue, and he won. This is part of why he won. And then when he mentioned your name, I said, I haven't met her. And he said, I get to introduce you because I was always there. I was like the one who came to every single one. Hmm. He's like, I get to introduce you to someone sustainable. And he was so happy. And then we spoke last time. and It was really great. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, that sounds like a really genuine and effective campaign technique by Eric. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him accomplish great things in the city council starting next year. It's great to have him as your city council member. You know what? I'm going to work with him because I live here. And I'm going to bring you in because I think most people don't realize the scourge of plastic and what can be done. I think a lot of people see it as like I'll point out a litter around and it's way more than ever before. Yeah. And they say, yeah, we need more sanitation. And I say, there's no sanitation system in the world that could withstand the onslaught of the oil industry just shoving all this cheap plastic on us. And oh, well, we're getting to plastic. I want to go back because if I see pictures of you with Obama and you, uh, before you were doing this, you were doing, you were working with the EPA. And I wonder if you can give us some background in what led to Beyond Plastic. Sure. So I've been doing environmental advocacy work for many decades, first in the nonprofit community. I worked at New York Public Interest Research Group, NYPERG, also Environmental Advocates. I then decided to enter state government. So I spent eight years in the New York Attorney General's office and then served as Deputy Secretary for the Environment in the New York Governor's office. And then Barack Obama was elected. And I thought it'd be pretty cool to work in his administration. I was excited by his candidacy and his commitment to environmental protection. So I was fortunate to be appointed by President Obama to serve as regional administrator at EPA. And my region included New York. And one of the good things about being an appointee of the president is you know when your last day on the job is. It's when his last day on the job is. So that gave me a lot of time to really think about what to do next. And I've always been interested in waste issues because I think it gets to the fundamental issue of overconsumption and sustainability. And I also am always interested in trying to improve environmental justice conditions. I know from my own experience that plastic manufacturing, for instance, happens in low-income communities of color. And then on the other end, when you can't recycle 90% of the plastic, it either gets littered and gets into rivers and oceans, or if it's not littered, it goes to incinerators or landfills. Again, almost always cited in low-income communities or communities of color. So I decided I wanted to work on plastics. I couldn't quite figure out where And I wanted to be a bit free range. I wanted to jump in on issues and campaigns where I felt like I could make a difference. So I started this new project called Beyond Plastics. Our website is beyondplastics.org. 
It's based at Bennington College in Vermont, where I'm a visiting professor. And I teach a class on plastic pollution. It's now online and open to community people. So I've been able to kind of pair my academic work with my education and advocacy work. Usually I have guests come up with something they can do to act on their values. And one pledged to go without plastic for a week. And she had been trying this for a while. And she said, okay, I got some prescription medicine. I got to get that. But otherwise, she was able to pull it off. I had another guest, Beth Comstock, former GMO and board member of Nike, CMO of GE. And she said, I think she would go for a week without plastic. She comes back the second time and says, like, she didn't even make it a day. Mm-hmm. Right. She was like, I openly acknowledge my ignorance of how much plastic infuses everything. Right. Right. And it's not their fault. Yeah. You can look, I try to avoid plastic. I work for a group called Beyond Plastics. I can't avoid it. And that's why we need systemic change. We need laws that prohibit the worst plastic, like single use plastics. For instance, New York State has banned plastic bags. New Yorkers previously used 22 billion plastic bags a year. We have some problems with enforcing the law in New York City, but... I'm sorry to interrupt, but the listeners couldn't see my eye roll there. Yeah, big problems with enforcement and huge loopholes too, but sorry to interrupt. But Yeah, I mean, it doesn't cover restaurants, but it does cover most every other retail store. And so we've been really encouraging the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation to be more effective at enforcing the law. It's not that hard. Either the store is or isn't handing out plastic bags. And we actually have one amazing volunteer who goes out every weekend and documents stores that are violating the law, sends the name and the address to the HOCAL administration, and then often gets no response. So, you know, you have to pass a strong law, but you also need to get it enforced. Your listeners may not know that on November 1st, New York City has a new law in effect that requires that you not automatically be given plastic straws, plastic stirrers, or plastic splash guards. You can get it upon request, which means most people won't get it because they just won't miss those things. But New York City Department of Sanitation has been very timid about educating the public and the affected businesses about that law. So eventually they'll get there because the law is the law. And then it makes it easier for people to look at alternatives to plastic. I think it's a little hard for a lot of Americans to realize there are whole nations where plastic bags aren't allowed. Oh, sure. Yeah, the U.S. is way behind the rest of the world. In the European Union, they have banned 10 major categories of plastics from plastic bags to polystyrene foam to straws only upon request. The U.S. is way behind. This is a common phrase. It's like, what makes it a problem is also what makes it so great. How can you get along without it? I think that describes asbestos pretty well too. Yes. And for that matter, it describes marketing cigarettes to children. That certainly boosts the GDP in multiple ways. I mean, selling more cigarettes and more, it helps uh, oncologists. Yeah, sadly. Uh, My way of describing it is we're addicted to the stuff. And when we're addicted, we tend to justify why a little bit more is okay. 
Well, actually, one particular recent poll that said 80% of consumers would like to avoid plastic and a large percentage are actually willing to pay a little extra money for that avoidance. But you enter any American supermarket or store and you can't avoid it, which is why I set up Beyond Plastics to focus on policy and legislation because we have a very large interest among Americans to avoid plastic, but they just don't have a choice when they enter the store. What are some strategies? Well, you know, I'm a former federal regulator, so I'm all about passing laws and getting the laws effectively enforced. You know, one additional example is January 1st of this year, polystyrene foam Food packaging is banned in New York statewide. So you don't get strong laws, though, unless you've got the citizens really educated and engaged. So first, education. Second, mobilization or organizing. And then third, we get to legislating. Going back to the first step of educating beyond plastics, put out a really important report a few weeks ago called The New Coal, Plastics and Climate Change. And we documented the connection between plastics and greenhouse gas emissions. I think that's going to have a major impact and should encourage lawmakers to adopt policies to reduce plastic. I mean, we really, we can't recycle our way out of the plastic Mm -hmm. pollution crisis Less than 10% of plastics are actually recycled. And we know the answer. It's turning off the tap. It's making less plastic. But the problem is that plastic is very cheap. It is propped up with federal subsidies for fossil fuel, which continues in the infrastructure bill that President Biden will sign very soon, believe it or not, still has fossil fuel subsidies in it. So It's going to be a journey, but we'll get there. More eye rolls for me. I'm sorry. When I'm picking up litter, people say, you know, that won't make much of a difference. And one person, you know, I can't pick up much divided by 7.9 billion. But when I do it, I see all this plastic, this scourge, and it makes me not buy things with plastic in them. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to see the warehouses full because they can't unload the plastic because no one will take the cups from Starbucks and no one will take the wrapped the bananas peeled and then wrapped in plastic. I know. Oh my gosh. Trader Joe's just seems like the worst with wrapping things in plastic and polystyrene that you don't need. Well, we have a lot to learn from other countries. I have a friend who just returned from France and over there, Starbucks doesn't use polystyrene plastic lids on coffee cups. Instead, it's a fiber-based lid that is made from recycled content. What we really need, of course, is for Starbucks to encourage people to use their own reusable, refillable mug. That's the future. There's a really good organization called Upstream Solutions And I appreciate their work because they're really focused on refill, reuse. For instance, they're pushing local laws that require if you are eating at the restaurant, 
you have to be served on reusable, durable dishes and utensils. So for instance, Berkeley, California passed that law. We should get Eric to introduce it. When you go to McDonald's in Berkeley, California, and if you're eating on site, which many people are, you're served on real dishes and real utensils and cups. And then when you're done, it's like when you're in elementary school, you bring your tray up and someone in, you know, is employed to run the dishwasher. You know, we don't need to have moonshot solutions. It's not like we need a new material that no one's discovered before. We need to go back to durable dishes that can be washed. Or, you know, what's the dramatic alternative to plastic? It's glass, it's metal, it's paper and cardboard, all of which can be made from recycled content and most of it, unless the cardboard is contaminated with food, most of that could then be recycled again. If you recycle an aluminum can, for instance, as opposed to getting a beverage in a plastic bottle, you recycle that aluminum can, you save 95% of the energy than if the aluminum can was made from virgin materials. So we have solutions. Mm. This is not like finding the cure for cancer. It's being sensible and conservative in our approach to how we use natural resources. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, it doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. Yeah, I'm going to go even farther that besides alternatives, there's not packaging the stuff. Right. Listeners to my show know that I'm a month away from finishing my second year on one load of garbage, and I'm eating fresh fruits and vegetables. And this is what no one expects, is it's cheaper. I posted my expenses on food, and it's less than the average American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, I have to go back a few years and I would have thought that would be impossible. I thought it'd be more expensive. I thought it'd be inaccessible. Mm-hmm. And I was And you wrong. live in an, ex- an expensive city for food and you're still saving money. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think of that. I was adjusting for like being male and eating more. Men and women eat generally different caloric amounts. And so I adjusted for that. Your groceries in New York City are far more expensive than my groceries in upstate New York. Earth Day a couple of years ago, I hosted an event at Lululemon in their store, uh, Fifth Avenue. It's like one of their flagships. And the guy who was organizing it, one of the guys who was organizing it said he loved working there because you couldn't really tell in the Lululemon community who was an employee and who was a shopper because they were so intermingled. And I'm not big into Lululemon. It's not my lifestyle. But he said he's Australian and used to love surfing. So he's like a surfer at heart. And then he realized everything Lululemon sold was plastic. Mm. All of it was making its way into the ocean somehow. And he was really twisted up inside. He was still working there, but he knew he was selling plastic and he knew he was filling the ocean with plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what we're doing. Look, this computer's made a lot out of plastic, the mouse, the pen in my hand. That's... Now, 
there's single use. To me, there's a big division between single use and disposable versus yeah. something durable in some way. Yeah. What fraction is it single use versus non? I guess the stuff going in the ocean is probably almost all single use. Yeah, pretty much. About 40, 45% of plastics in this country is single use. A lot of it just used between 12 and 20 minutes. But you're right. You don't typically see your computer and mouse on the beach as a source of litter. Mm. You might see your pen. You know, we now have data from literally thousands of litter cleanups, and we know the top 10 items that you find. It's not surprising. The number one thing is cigarette butts because the filters have plastic in it, Uh followed by plastic bags, plastic bottles, fast food, packaging, One of the benefits of doing litter cleanups is you actually see who's the neighborhood polluter. When I would occasionally clean my front sidewalk when I lived in Brooklyn, there was a pattern. I knew what store a lot of this litter was coming from. And in fact, there's a wonderful movement group called Break Free from Plastics. And every year they do what's called a brand audit, Mm -hmm. where they get thousands of people all over the world to do a litter cleanup. My students did this in Vermont. You spread out the litter and then you literally tally up how many Coke bottles, how many McDonald's wrappers, how many, you know, local chain coffee shop polystyrene cups. And then they publish that. So folks should go to breakthroughfromplastics.org. Who do you think the number one brand is? I think I've seen the releases. So I think Coca-Cola. Right. Right, right. So Coke is consistently number one. Consistent. There we go. Yeah. But what is Coke doing about turning our ocean into a landfill? And it's not good enough. They're issuing statements year after year after year that go nowhere. Right, right. That people forget about. Right. What they should be doing is supporting a national bottle bill. You put a deposit on beverage containers and they get picked up. And they get recycled, and it's a high quality recycling. I had one guest, not guest, a friend of mine that I walked through this process, and she was like, I don't want to pick up litter. She said, I'm a germaphobe. But she said she was going to pick up litter because she goes on daily walks in her park and she would pick it up for a month every day. So I talked to her a month later. The first day she went out and picked up litter with gloves and carried a bag with her. Second day she went out and she said she forgot her gloves. And she was like, Well, you know what? Yesterday I enjoyed it so much. I'll do it. Decades she was thinking about doing it, didn't do it. But then once she did it, it's this weird, surprising, rewarding feeling. I'm cleaning up my neighborhood. I'm cleaning up my world. And yes, it's going to be back the next day. And it's good exercise. So you can skip your gym membership and just bend down and pick up litter in your neighborhood and keep going. It doesn't stop there. If you keep with it, you meet people, you change your behavior. I eat more healthy as a result of the disgust that I feel at this. Yeah, I had Alexis Stewart. Turns out she lives not too far from here, the daughter of Martha Stewart. She picks up litter just mm-hmm. because. And we got into this great conversation over it. The opposite of plastic to me is like community and meeting your neighbors yeah. right. and fun. People think, well, it doesn't make a difference, but this is where systemic change comes from, I believe. Systemic change begins with personal change. Mm-hmm. I don't see you as someone who, who feels hopeless or like this is like some Sisyphean task. What motivated you in the first place and what keeps you going now? Wow, that's such an important question. You know, I really care about the condition of the earth and public health in particular. 
the earth is going to survive. The question is, what about the people on the earth? And it's this challenging situation. The more you know, the more discouraged you should be. (laughs) And I know a lot, but I'm not discouraged. I see what happens when groups of people come together and affect change. I am discouraged about the condition of our democracy and what it takes to get new laws adopted. It's much harder than it was when I started doing this work. But I'm very motivated by public health protections and the fact that people with limited resources are exposed to more pollutants than more affluent people. I've seen this over and over again. And so much of the pollution we're exposed to is unnecessary. If we could change the way products are produced, look, we all need to live. We all need food. We all need to get around. Not everyone can ride a bike everywhere, but let's have affordable mass transit. We all should be able to eat healthy, organic food. How do we make it affordable to people? So I guess I just kind of like I toggle between being concerned about what I'm reading every day, but also being, you know, activated to work for change. And what's interesting about the plastics issue is people come into it in many different ways. People who take my class a lot think it's about how to get rid of plastic in your personal life. And we touch on that a bit, but then we kind of climb the the rungs and okay, you can't get rid of plastic in your personal life. It is all but impossible. So do the best you can. From a health perspective, for instance, if you can avoid having your food and your beverage in plastic packaging, you will have less microplastics in your body. The average American consumes or inhales one credit card size a week of plastics. So... I guess it's more than anything, it's the health issue, it's the climate change issue that keeps me going. You know, I've heard this credit card statistic before and just, I've only read it. And when you said it, I was just like so despondent. I also invigorated because I don't think we just have to take it. I suspect you've answered these questions before. Do you ever get bored of it? How do you feel? No, never. (laughs) Never. I feel many emotions, but never boredom. I'm fascinated. By this issue. I'm fascinated by the damage it's doing. I'm fascinated by the opportunities for progress and then how so many people are getting involved in their own way. And I'm enormously excited to see what happens as more people get educated, more people get engaged. You know, we got to change it up. I'm a big believer in the saying, when the people lead, the leaders will follow. And so getting information to the people and helping people get organized to take action is what we're trying to do at Beyond Plastics. One big motivator for me also was seeing the movie, The Story of Plastic. Yes. Oh my gosh. Now, Emmy winning now and also free available. Is that like the big one or are there bigger ones or are there others that I could watch? That's the big one. I love the story of plastic. And go back to the original, the story of stuff. Oh, yeah. Which is animated by Annie Leonard, who is now the executive director of Greenpeace USA. You know, she went to Barnard 
and was walking around the streets of New York and seeing so much waste and litter. That's rather than writing a book or writing an op-ed, she did this animated movie called The Story of Stuff, which is now an organization. So definitely the story of stuff. And then I think the other end of the spectrum from the story of plastic is the wonderful film called Microplastic Madness, put out by this feisty little nonprofit in Manhattan called Cafeteria Culture. They started as a group of moms who wanted to get polystyrene trays out of the New York City public school system. You know, it wasn't long ago, children in public school would be served hot food directly on a polystyrene tray. Terrible idea because the styrene would very likely leach into the warm food. So a group of moms working with students convinced New York City to stop using polystyrene trays. And then they formed this organization called Cafeteria Culture. One of them is a very accomplished filmmaker So Microplastic Madness is the story of school kids in Red Hook, Brooklyn, who work to get rid of plastics at their school and in their neighborhood. And after you watch it, you just want to sing and dance, and it's so inspiring. So I often urge people to pair the story of plastic and then watch Microplastic Madness afterwards. It's not as accessible as Microplastic Madness, but just go to cafeteriaculture.org and you'll find it. It's wonderful. Okay, it pains me that we're running out of time because we've barely scratched the surface. I'd like to leave you with an open invitation to come back anytime. Great, thanks, Josh. If I didn't have nine other meetings today, I would stay longer. I've got an important Bloomberg interview in a couple minutes with a Bloomberg reporter on this new report we put out the new coal, Plastics and Climate Change. In fact, we're doing a webinar tonight on it. It's a great report explaining in detail how plastic production, use, and disposal contributes to the climate crisis. So I'm full-time on promoting the report. I'm so full of questions. If I ask any, I have to keep going. I will definitely come back to you separate from the podcast on helping Eric and legislation in New York City. Yeah, good idea. Let's do that Berkeley bill. Yes, and more. And more. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Judith Ank, thank you very much. Take care. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.